Good evening. Welcome to the May 13th meeting of the Shawnee Mission Education or School District Board of Education. Our first item on the agenda is the Pledge of Allegiance and some very energetic, anxious young students from Highlands are ready to lead us in that. Why don't they come on in? And everyone please rise. They did a great job, didn't they? <laughs> Mrs. Combs, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? I'm going to. I'm going to pass it down and these guys are siblings. So you want to tell who you are? I'm River Lopez. I'm Grayson Smith. I'm Greg Spinata. Sadie Great job. And next, we're going to show you just a snippet of a movie that we made at Highlands to thank our first responders. And we wanted to do this tonight because we wanted to thank some of our first responders who are here, Dr. Smith, and um, I have Mark Schmidt here, and we have uh, John Douglas. And these people were instrumental in helping us out on March 1st. And so we want to dedicate part of this to them. Thank you. Yeah, you have to be strong to be a first responder because there can be some situations where it can be very emotional and you just have to push through it and keep going. And I think it would usually be difficult because I'm not very good with directions. So it would be kind of hard to go to places and you just have to have a lot of skills. Oh yeah, you're risking your life all the time to do things like that. Yeah, and the things that you're trying to help people with are usually dangerous. Because they're fearless and like they, they're willing to get involved with a, a situation that involves you needing a rescue. I think it's very difficult because, you know, that sometimes you're risking your life to save another. Yeah, I bet you have to go through a lot of training and preparation and also like study it and how to go through a building. Because firefighters have to stay overnight at the fire station, probably not that cozy. And the police have to sit on highways in their cars making sure no one speed. Say something happened at your house, like a fire started. Firefighters will have to quickly get to the scene before the fire spreads. You would always come first whenever we would need you. It would be a lifetime for us because you're always there for us. Yes, it definitely takes a lot of bravery because you can get into some sticky situations that could risk your own life for saving others. That is great. Thank you. 
Thank you for being here. Work real hard. Summer's just around the corner. <laughs> this is graduation week within the district. We began with the graduation arrowhead, and we go throughout the week. So it's a fun time for all of us, and we're looking out the window saying, I hope the weather's like this for every graduation week uh, this week. Uh, with that, it's time to adopt the agenda for this evening's meeting. I'll seek a motion. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. I'll second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as presented, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0 with a little help from the audience, I heard. Uh, with that, we'll move on to the approval of the minutes. And uh, this is the minutes of our last meeting of April 22nd. I'll seek a motion to approve. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor of approving the minutes of April 22nd, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. And with that, I introduce Dr. Fulton for the superintendent's report. Thank you, and uh, also thank Thank you to everyone who came out tonight for the meeting. Well, I want to start off with the R&D form. Recently, we were thrilled to highlight student excellence and innovation at the 57th annual research and development, otherwise known as R&D form. Hundreds of students presented their projects and creations from throughout the school year in the areas of science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Board members and I were honored to see all the project entries and recognize the many trophy recipients. The Rainier Awards given to students for outstanding effort went to Peyton Panovic, Shawnee Mission West, and bio, bio, biotechnology student for her science project related to colon cancer. Nick Angel, Shawnee Mission South Senior for a walnut dresser made from a tree that had a lot of meaning for his family. It uh, came from the family farm and Sam Springer, Shawnee Mission Northwest Senior and Project Lead the Way Engineering student for his Rocket Stabilization System project. We all extend our gratitude to the Rainier family for their ongoing support of the R&D Forum and to all the staff members who dedicated time to making this event possible. Many of us also had the opportunity to join the Brookwood Elementary School community as they formally dedicated their new school. Staff, students, family members, and members of the community attended a dedication ceremony and were able to tour the building. Several sixth grade students shared remarks about the ceremony, expressing their gratitude for the new building. We all extend our thanks to the community for their support in building the new Brookwood Elementary. Three Shawnee Mission School District teachers are now Jadell Excellence in Mathematics Education Award winners. Sarah Collins, first grade teacher at Briarwood Elementary, Ray Royal, math teacher at Trailwich Middle School, and Vince Laverne, math teacher at Shawnee Mission South, were surprised in the classroom with the news. The awards recognize those who implement innovative instructional practices and strategies to strengthen student understanding of math. So congratulations to those teachers. We have quite a few of these this evening. Lots of good stuff happening. The Shawnee Mission School District recently honored longtime employees for their dedication and service at the district's retirement and service pin ceremony. The retirees and service pin recipients this year represented more than 3,800 years and more than 4.5 million hours of service to students. We're grateful to all of these individuals for helping to build the bridge to unlimited possibilities for our students. And so thank them. Thank you to all the retirees and those who receive service pens for all their 
great work on behalf of our students. Shawnee Mission Culinary Arts and Hospitality Signature Program students celebrated success after this year's State Skills USA Conference. Reese Miller, a Shawnee Mission Northwest junior, earned first place in the culinary arts category and is now preparing to go to the national competition. Skills USA offers programs, events, and competitions that support career and technical education. Less than one-tenth of one percent of all students who take the ACT earn a perfect composite score. Five Shawnee Mission students recently learned that they had accomplished this rare feat. Adam White, a Shawnee Mission Northwest junior, and Harvey G, Anselin Kinsella, Wyatt Wimmer, and Andrew Wurst all earned a perfect 36 composite score on their exam. Congratulations to these five students. U.S. News and World Report ranked five Shawnee Mission high schools among the best in the nation. Shawnee Mission East, Shawnee Mission North, Shawnee Mission Northwest, South, and West were all ranked among the top schools in the state and in the nation. And we're proud of all of our schools, uh, not only for being highly ranked, but also staying consistent with our belief that we have great students, great staff, and wonderful schools in Shawnee Mission. When we're proud of that, this is uh, yet one more indicator of the fact that that is absolutely true. Well, this is the week for graduation. As was mentioned earlier, uh, I'm excited to go through my first round of graduations. I'll have an opportunity to participate in three, which means next year I'll rotate and do the other three. How's that? Can't be in two places at once, as it turns out. But across the board members and executive leadership team members will have a presence at graduation, and we're excited to uh, be part of that celebration with the students, their families, and our staff. So this week, uh, we'll be live streaming those events. They'll be posted on the day of the ceremony on the district website and the district's Facebook page and Twitter account. And again, to all the students, parents, and educators who have supported the class of 2019, we celebrate with you and congratulate you on this outstanding achievement. Well, now we're pleased to recognize our first Shawnee Mission All-Star for the evening. I want to invite Shawnee Mission West Principal Steve Lowe to introduce our first honoree. Good evening. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate Debbie Ryan tonight. Debbie Ryan is currently our Principal Secretary at Shawnee Mission West. She has been a Principal Secretary for 19 years. So nine at Indian Woods and 10 at West. And plain and simple, she's outstanding at what she does. She leads our front office with intelligence, compassion, and understanding. Debbie has a vast knowledge of multiple positions in our building. She is that go-to person. Incredible multitasker. Debbie is the epitome of grace under pressure. No matter the situation, she stays calm, supportive, and effectively problem solves. And as busy as she is, Debbie always makes time to listen in a supportive, non-judgmental way to anyone who needs an ear. But Debbie is much more than a principal secretary. She is a true Shiny Mission lifer. So Debbie graduated from South. She and her husband, Mike, have raised three wonderful and successful children through the West area. Debbie helped start McAuliffe and Rising Star PTAs. 
She has served as a SMAC PTA president as well as other offices. She has served on the West Advisory Board and just as important as all of that, she has been that Shiny Mission soccer mom, she's been the swim mom, and she's been the basketball mom to all of her kids. So Debbie, congratulations on this recognition. Well deserved. I think we're going to queue up a video. Debbie is the foundation of Shawnee Mission West. Uh, she's the rock. She holds this place together. Uh, she's kind of the, the buffer before it kind of comes to our plates as, as principals. Uh, she's amazing with that stepping stone with the teachers. She's awesome with our parents. Uh, the kids always go to her, and we always direct everybody to her because she's been around and she knows everything. She's like having another principal in the building because she's that solid of a person. Uh, she is that consummate professional just cool and calm under pressure, uh, relationships with the public amazing, customer service is just outstanding. I got you. No problem. She's kind of like radar off MASH, so she's always ahead of the game. When I ask, hey, Debbie, we need, she already has it done. Debbie is an amazing person. She gets here early to greet our substitutes in the morning and helps them get their day off to a great start. She um, exudes confidence, competence, and compassion every day in, in her ways of helping people solve problems or get information. Her big signature project is that she's in charge of graduation. And so from the beginning of the year till graduation night, she is busy trying to organize everything. When I think of an all-star, um, I think of somebody that goes above and beyond. And Debbie goes above and beyond and then some. Debbie is very much appreciated by not just um, our school staff, but also parents, the community, and the kids that she's interacting with every day. I would say, Debbie, congrats. You are so deserving. Congratulations and don't ever leave. I'm the leader and I'm the principal um, because of people like you that I learn from and you're a great mentor to me as well. Debbie, thanks so much for all the time and energy that you put into our students and our staff. Um, you definitely make Shawnee Mission West a better place to be. Debbie, congratulations on this award. You're so deserving of it. Integrity, the way you treat all people is just second to none. So I can't think of a better person to um, earn this distinction. Congratulations. appreciate this honor. However, you know, I get the privilege every day to come to work and work with people like Mr. Lowe and the people on that video and the whole West staff and to be involved with those West students. I'm really the lucky one. So thank you. Well, congratulations. It's very well deserved. And now we invite Melissa Green, principal at Comanche Elementary, to introduce our next honoree. Good evening. Um, it is with great pleasure that I'm giving this award to Jessica Reisinger, who is an instructional coach at my building. Um, I met Jessica three years ago as I started my adventures here in Shawnee Mission, and from day one, I knew that this was going to be a great person to work with. Um, she has such vision and passion for everything that she does. She's very creative, thoughtful, and is super reliable. She has anything done 
in minutes. Um, and she is a very amazing font lady. If you ever want anything written awesome, she, she can do it for you. Um, Comanche is just such a wonderful place because of Jessica, and I'm very, very honored to have been working with her for the last three years. Um, I can count on her, and I can pick her brain, so she's helping me learn just as much as she's helping everybody else learn. So I am very um, happy to be here this evening to um, be here with Jessica. Jessica is absolutely amazing as an instructional coach in our building. She thinks outside the box and she has great relationships with students and staff and always is wanting to share her knowledge with everybody. We might not find a Pentagon in the school. Miss her really is just the heart and soul of Comanche. She just absolutely loves our kids here. She wants what's best for kids. Um, she works day in and day out with our students and our teachers. She's always looking for ways that are innovative here at Comanche. And so she's just looking for the next best thing to get our school to meet the needs of all of our students. She's a nice teacher. She helps me a lot with reading. And if I don't understand something, she teaches it to me. What I think is really cool about her is how she can collaborate. So she came into my classroom, but she came in to work with me. And so we would kind of take our cues. I could say something a certain way to a kid, and she just picked it up. She's so flexible and so quickly can adjust to kids' needs. She is very kind, and she's very helpful. A nice person that works with other people that have, like, trouble with technology and... She'll go inside other classrooms to help people. Sure does. Next one. Jess is invaluable to the Comanche team. She is actively involved with our kids and our teachers. She. Debbie is the foundation of Shawnee Mission West as principal. Jessica is absolutely amazing as an instructional coach in our building. She thinks outside the box and she has great relationships with students and staff and always is wanting to share her knowledge with everybody. We might not find a Pentagon in this school. Miss her really just the heart and soul of Comanche. She just absolutely loves our kids here. She wants what's best for kids. Um, she works day in and day out with our students and our teachers. She's always looking for ways that are innovative here at Comanche. And so she's just looking for the next best thing to get our school to meet the needs of all of our students. She's a nice teacher. She helps me a lot with reading. And if I don't understand something, she teaches it to me. What I think is really cool about her is how she can collaborate. So she came into my classroom, but she came in to work with me. And so we would kind of take our cues. I could say something a certain way to a kid, and she just picked it up. She's so flexible and so quickly can adjust to kids' needs. She is very kind, and she's very helpful. A nice person that works with other people that have, like, trouble with technology, and she'll go inside other classrooms to help people. Sure does. Next one. Jess is invaluable to the Comanche team. She is actively involved with our kids and our teachers. She has great rapport with everyone. Um, she's hardworking. She asks the hard questions. So she is 
so crucial to just kind of our collaboration as a staff that make learning accessible to all students. Congratulations, Jessica. We are so proud of you for receiving the Shawnee Mission All-Star Award. We are just so blessed to have you here at Comanche. You're wonderful. Thanks, Jess, for all you do. Great job, Ms. Reisinger. Jessica, way to go. You so deserve this honor. Good job for being an all-star. Way to go, Ms. Reisinger. And you absolutely are an all-star, so congratulations to you. didn't see it the first time you got two rounds just to make sure you got all the information thank you so much thank you um, as a coach I get to experience the relentless efforts of the educators and the kids that you see in that in that video um, I get to work with teachers that are empowering one another that are empowering their students um, I truly feel honored um, to get to um, be the recipient of this so thank you to my Shawnee Mission colleagues my Comanche family my real family um, and we are doing great work here and I'm convinced that I get to do it every day with the best and hardest working people and um, I'm just so excited to see where we go from here thank you so much this is this is super awesome so thank you Again, congratulations to both recipients. Well, we want to take a moment and uh, invite Kim Hinkle up. She is the executive director of the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation, and along with Barbara Shell, Foundation Board of Directors Program Committee Chair, uh, they are going to share with us some information about the Excellence in Education Grants. Thank you, Dr. Fulton and members of the board. Thanks so much for having us here tonight. Tonight, we're just here to celebrate. Um, before I introduce uh, Barbara Shell, I'd also like to recognize we have several uh, members of the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation Board of Directors here tonight. So thanks for being here um, to celebrate um, our Excellence in Education grants. Okay. We are so pleased tonight to honor our Excellence in Education grant winners. Excellence in Education grants are awarded to outstanding educators with ideas for innovative projects in their schools and classrooms. Our 14 winners from elementary, middle, and high schools, and they represent projects like innovative camera lenses, school gardens, Lego machines, a special education life skills room, Osmos, and a career closet to help students in need when they go to interview for jobs. We are proud of our educators who go above and beyond to bring these projects to our children. This year we gave away uh, nearly $35,000 in grants and it would not be possible without the generosity of our community um, who give um, to the Education Foundation to support our educators. And just, uh, I'd really like to thank the good people at Main Street Credit Union. Um, and we have uh, a representative, Kathy Saunders, from Main Street that's here tonight. Kathy, if you'd stand and be recognized, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so 
So through the Jack Challenger uh, Legacy Fund, they were able to underwrite a grant for Sphero Bolt Power Pack Robots, um, which uh, is in a middle school. And then we also would like to give a recognition to the Diane Lane Hughes Forever Friends Fund for underwriting a grant um, putting uh, diverse books into classrooms. So we want to thank um, all of you for your ongoing support of our students and our educators. And now we have all of our grant uh, grantees here tonight with their principals and families. And we'd just like for you all to stand and be recognized. Um, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And again, congratulations to all the recipients. And one final, uh, just very brief update, uh, give you an update on the work of the Digital Learning Task Force. As a reminder, the uh, Digital Learning Task Force was formed last fall with a charge to review and develop recommendations in order to advise me on the steps needed to ensure that every learner is able to use technology as, as a tool to support their learning. The task force was uh, built with a diverse uh, representation of voices from throughout the district. Half the members are parents. There are teachers, administrators, support staff, uh, with representation from each of the five feeder patterns and students from each of those areas as well. The uh, task force continues to meet and work on their recommendations. When their work is done, the task force will present their recommendations to me in the form of a report at which point I'll review that report, share it publicly, and consider its recommendations as we move forward in our work. And certainly some of the recommendations may uh, apply to the use of technology, others relate to curriculum and so on. So it just depends on the nature of the recommendations as to who they end up with. So anyway, that concludes my report. Great. Thank you. Lots to celebrate. And everyone's more than welcome to slip out if they'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll enter, we'll, uh, <laughs> I think one person said, well, I'll just catch it online, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, we'll have Dr. Fulton come to the podium, and he's going to provide us an update on, on the strategic planning update. But before we do that, I want to see if there's any students in the room that are here as a class assignment. Any students want to raise their hand that they're here for a class assignment this late in the semester? I don't think there's any. Yeah, seniors last day was Friday. Okay. Yeah, I think done. How about uh, seniors that are graduating this week? Any seniors who want to raise their hands? All right, congratulations. Yay. With that, Dr. Fulton. Yes, okay, I have a brief report tonight. I want to start off with, um, wait for the next slide to come. There we go. Uh, you've seen this slide before. It overviews the work that we've accomplished uh, to date. The, uh, the action teams, which you see there in the blue, and I think on the next slide it'll have, there you go. Uh, we have five action, uh, five action uh, teams that are working on the strategies that specifically support those three core objectives. The action teams for the strategic planning process met last Wednesday. May 8th to continue their work on action plans. Each of the teams came up with a solid draft for their action plan and these will be reviewed by the cabinet tomorrow morning. We'll work to ensure that there is consistency across the action plans and that we, uh, have, we don't have any redundancy. 
Work will continue through the end of the month in preparation for the June 5th meeting of the Strategic uh, Planning Steering Committee. The goal is for each strategy to have a limited number of action steps that are both doable and measurable, along with a clear and specific cost analysis. And the next slide will give you, it's really hard to read this, it'll give you an example of what those action plans look like. So they all involve an action step. Well, first of all, let me back up. It involves a strategy, so they specifically state the strategy, what the result is that that strategy is trying to achieve, the action step that goes with it, who's responsible to achieve it, starting dates, due dates, and completion dates. So that allows the team to really think strategically about what is important to do as next steps for us to achieve this strategic plan. And with that, I'll be happy to respond to any questions. Questions from board members? Moving along, okay. thank, you. thank you. Next item is uh, the board reports, and I'll uh, address each of the items here to see if there's any updates. Uh, Reverend Guy, anything from SMAC PTA to update? I don't have an update. I was not able to go to the School of Instruction, I believe it was last week, but um, seemed like that went well and was well attended. Thank you. Anyone want to speak to that that might have been there? Uh, it was well attended. Oh, oh, yeah, we had lots of lots of officers there and lots of vendors too, and so it was very well attended. I, uh, they then went off and did breakout sessions for all the different um, PTA jobs, and but it was very well attended. The cafeteria was full at, at West. Thank you. I just add one yes, note. Mrs. Uh, I think it was very heartening to see all the dads in the audience that are the PTAs that are manning committees for for PTA and were there to learn how to do their committee. So it was a great night. Good. Thank you. Uh, Smef, any more updates other than what we just had tonight? Yeah, I get off easy this evening. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, KASB, Mrs. Zila? Uh, we have an upcoming meeting early June. All right, thank you. Any updates, government relations, Dr. Sinclair? Anything going on in Topeka these days? Well, I believe there was oral arguments. I believe there were some oral arguments, perhaps, on Gannon. Um, what are we up to? Five, six, seven? Getting yeah. seven? Uh, uh, just last week. And so there's been lots of speculation about how to interpret those oral arguments, but I'm um, sure we will find out soon what that will mean for our school finance formula and for the funding subsequently that the district will receive from the state and how we can move forward with our budgeting process this year, this coming year, and those years into the future. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Goodburn, any updates on constituent services? No, no update. Thank you. And professional services, Mrs. Zila? Uh, yes, uh, as far as um, internal counsel applications, that window has closed, and those applications will be vetted soon. All right, thank you. And then our policy review committee, they meet next, uh, is that in uh, May, May 21st? Tuesday. Next any Tuesday. Any updates? No updates other than we'll meet next Tuesday. Okay, great. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair. Um, could you um, remind me what the vetting process is for the, um, for, the, in, for the applicants that we've received? I'd have Dr. Fulton speak yeah, to I'm that sorry, one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you. No, we, uh, we've received applications. Uh -huh. Obviously, um, could you remind this is for right, this is for in-house legal counsel. So we're hiring an in-house, we're hiring an attorney. And so obviously... Uh, it's a very confidential process, uh, but we, we have received uh, 
a number of applications. We're, we're going to begin the interview process soon. And uh, hopefully, as a result of that interview process, we'll be able to bring forward a recommendation for in-house counsel. Great. Thank you. Move on to item 2.04, and that's the board financial report. Dr. Fulton, you want to, or Russ, come on up. Yes. Yes, good evening. Uh, so tonight is your board report for through April 30th. Um, I was going to take this time to give you an update on our current year operating um, funds. I do have, are you able to bring that up? It's attached to the board docs. Um, I don't know if you can bring that up yourself or not. Okay, we're going to verbalize it to the best of my ability. Um, so I presented to you in January a deficit of approximately $1.6 million. So to refresh your memory, um, back in August when we approved the budget, we were at $2,041,000 surplus, and then we went through the negotiation process and approved the salary packages for all our pay groups. That was a cost of about $2.9 million. So after we applied that budget, we were at a deficit of $886,000 is what we're going to start uh, this 18-19 school year. Um, so our current estimate is $1.5 million deficit. So we've lost about $630,000 between that time period and, and today. Um, funding changes, we actually close to a million dollars exceeded our budget. That was mostly in interest in our investment of our idle funds. Believe it or not, interest rates have ticked up enough that we're uh, actually close to a million dollars in interest. Um, so that drove most of the funding increases. We had a little bit in the bilingual and at, in the four-year-old four at-risk program. Um, our expenditures, our salaries, and this would be for all pay groups, uh, was close to $2 million over budget. Uh, what's driving most of that was 24 classroom positions that we added. We added a few SPED teachers, regular ed teachers, and some paras. Um, the other thing that drove that is the snow days. Snow days cost us uh, quite a bit of money. So there's four additional days that we had to pay our aides and paras for those days. Um, that costs roughly about $250,000. And then our professional growth, which is a good thing, I believe, it, it just came in about eighty dollars to $100,000 more than uh, what we budget. We usually budget $500,000. And that's our certified staff when they move across our salary schedule. Um, so that's add, added to our salaries. Our substitutes are run. Our substitute cost is running about four hundred eighty-seven thousand more than we budgeted. And again, that is a combination of our certified staff and our classified staff. Um, our uh, personal days or the days that we need subs for is ticking up even higher than it was last year. You remember last year we um, we went to Kelly Services. The usage went up. Well, our, our usage is trending up even higher than it did last year. And so that's driving some of that cost. Uh, and then the other thing is we are using substitutes for our custodial instead of a four-hour custodian. So that kind of just kind of nets itself out. It's just in a different line, and that's in the substitute line versus the salary line. Health insurance is about $500,000 over budget, and that's simply because we have added about 82 employee members to our group since uh, we approved the budget. Uh, what else? Utilities. Right now we're showing that we're going to be $146,000 under budget. However, 
that's only a one-time $500,000 credit that we got. So if you guys have KCPNL at home, you remember in February you got the one-time merger credit. Well, we got that too. It was about $500,000. So that's a one-time credit that we got in this fiscal year, this fiscal year only. If you were to take that away, we'd probably be about $350,000 over budget. And it's, a lot of it is because the temperature, the cold temperatures were running a little bit below average this winter. Um, Title I, I'll give you an update on Title I. When we presented that to you in January, we were looking at absorbing about $300,000 into the operating funds for Title I just to break even, have a zero any balance. Um, right now, we think that'll be about 150000 So we had some vacancies that we just didn't fill, and that savings, uh, we recouped that savings. And um, So right now, we're looking at maybe $150,000 that we'll have to shift from Title I to operating funds by June 30th for Title I's to break even. Um, and then our other costs, about 330000 over budget, that's our overtime. So that's our overtime for eight snow days because we bring in those guys um, all day long to clear snow on all our sidewalks and parking lots. So to recap all that, a um, million dollars more in funding and about $1.6 million more or over budget in our expenditures that we anticipate about a $1.5 million deficit for 2018-2019. And I'll stand for any questions. Questions from board members? Um, you skipped over supplies and services, the 1.7. Can you just talk about that really quick? Yeah, that's the budget that we set out for all our school buildings and all our departments. Um, back in January when we realized we had we were staring at a pretty good deficit. We went back to all our departments and said, is there anything that you can not spend this year? Is it something you can delay uh, for 1920? And so we, we typically get about a million dollar of recapture out of those line items. Um, so 1.7 million is about 700,000 more than we typically could get. And one of the was the, when we went back to them and asked, um, is there anything that you can save? So we think we'll recoup that. Dr. Sinclair. Um, could you remind me again about the details on, under salaries? There was about a $250,000 increase because we had made the decision to cover um, snow days for classified staff rather than have them go unpaid. Could, That's correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Was it all classified staff? Or were there, I'm, it, I'm trying to remember, how many, it, how many people did it impact? It's mainly your paras and aides. Okay. Educational aid, clerical aides, and your paras all out in your building, the hour, hourly classified. Okay, and that allowed them to be paid even when there was a yeah. So days that we didn't have, they didn't have to show up. They were being paid. Okay. That's correct. Other questions from board members? I have a clarification. Yes, Mrs. Housley. Um, just to clarify on the substitutes expense going up, that's because if it, if I recall when it was explained to me, it's because there's substitutes available to meet the needs of teachers who weren't utilizing them before because we didn't have access to yeah, them, no. and so that's actually. I mean, it's a positive sign a positive because thing. if a teacher needs a substitute, there's one available. That's correct. It, they have a fill rate of 99.4%, which is pretty good. Okay, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Other board members? Thank you, Mr. Knapp. I'll ask you to stay there because our next item is public comment, and we have nobody joining us today for public comment as he changes his notes. Um, we'll have Mr. Knapp come back up and this is, uh, we'll turn to item 3.01 and this is budget workshop. Pull up the PowerPoint. Right there we go. 
All right, so uh, tonight is our second budget workshop of two. We had one April 22nd where we talked about um, capital outlay funds, the bond funds, and self-supported funds. So tonight we're going to focus on 2019-2020 um, budget recommendations for the supporting, or I'm sorry, for the operating funds and our federal funds. So. To recap, our supported or operating funds are our funds used to account for the general operation of the district. So this includes our salary benefits, student transportation, utilities, and supplies and services. So this is the one that we we coveted the most. Um, so this handles our day-to-day. -day. This is what um, the Gannon case directly affects. Um, it includes the general fund, the supplemental general fund, and the special education fund, and also your at-risk fund, bilingual fund, and your vocational fund. The main revenue sources are general state aid, special education state aid, local taxes is your LOB that we do here locally, and then some reimbursable fees such as um, facility rentals. Okay. So the nineteen twenty budget is built on these assumptions that Senate Bill sixteen will pass the mustard with the Gannon case, and the base will go up two hundred and seventy one dollars to 4,436. Special education funding is going to increase due to a little bit more money that the state appropriated. At the state level, they appropriated 7.5 million more. Um, still could do a lot better, but it's, uh, it's better than the prior year. Um, so we'll get a little bit of that. Um, we get reimbursed uh, per FTE, so we added, we're adding nine and a half SPED positions that will be reimbursed at um, about $30,000. And then an increase in the SPED transportation costs as we get reimbursed 80% of our SPED cost. The LOB base is right now estimated to increase 1.5%. So that's that, uh, the fake base of 4490 will go up to 4,555. Um, that amount won't be determined until they've gone, the KSDE has to determine what the consumer price index is um, for that fake base. But right now we're building the budget based on $4,555. And I wanted to show this slide. Um, this is um, a very simplistic way of looking at our funding. On the left side is the funding that we've all seen in the public. So when Senate Bill 16 came, came out, um, KSDE does their funding runs. And so on the left side, that's their run. So if you looked at that spreadsheet, it said we were gonna get $9.8 million. Well, that's all based on only things that they know about us, and that's based on 1819 numbers. So they don't know what we got going on in 1920. So if you were to look just at the general state aid versus the general state aid on the right, there's close to a $1.3 million decrease there, our difference. Um, the main reason for that is our new facilities is dropping off. So we get new facility money that lasts for two years and then it drops off. And this is the waiting that has been eliminated by legislation uh, a couple years ago. Uh, so we had four buildings dropping off. Uh, we still have two left in the, um, I'm sorry, Brookwood and Lenexa Hills. Um, so that cost us uh, close to $1.47 million. So then on your SPED state aid, um, like I just talked about, we're showing that we're going to have a million seventy thousand dollars 
That's for the additional FTE and the additional transportation costs. But there's strings attached with that because FTE, when you add personnel, that costs more than what you get reimbursed. So it shows that we're getting a million dollars, but we're probably adding $2 million in total expenditures. So it's a net, uh, net expenditure increase for us. The LOB base, we estimate um, $246,000 increase, and that's basically with that, that $4,555 going up. Um, the new facilities money that we lost directly impacts the LOB in a negative way, but we were, the $4,555 was able to offset it and still be a positive amount. Um, another positive thing is our cost of living rate, which is our COLA weighting. Um, our rate increased to 4.69%. By law, you can have 5%. There's a few schools around us that are at 5%, but we're at 4.69. That's based on your assessed valuation wealth versus the state average. And so th that did increase, and that resulted in some more money for us as well. Um, so overall, comparing what we, what, where we think we're going to end 1819, and what we'll set out for budget for 1920, we'll see a $9,760,000 more in revenue. And this is just a uh, pie chart to kind of show you how it, it breaks down. Um, we end up getting, if you combine your general fund state aid and your special education state aid, we get 70, close to 73% of our, our operating funds come from state aid source. And then another 25% is local taxes, and that's your supplemental general, or better known as your local option budget. Another 1.7% comes from your local, your other, which is the fees that we charge for like facility rentals, parking fees, et cetera. And then a little bit, 0.6% is federal dollars, which is your Medicaid. And they require us to deposit our Medicaid money into our, directly into our special education uh, funds. Now I'm gonna to switch to our expenditure side of the budget for 1920. Um, so this slide will show you a total of about $5.9 million that has been added to the budget for 1920. Um, as always, we budget for professional growth, and we estimate that to be about $500,000. And again, that's the column movement for your certified teachers when they get additional um, uh, education. They can move across the column. We got rows and columns, and so they move across and they get additional pay. Uh, and that gets put into place as soon as they turn in their... Um, I get what their their credits uh, to apply to their salary. Health insurance. Um, right now, the budget is maintaining the health cap at six hundred forty nine dollars. That's what we give each employee. That's a per month figure. Uh, right now, the budget is built on that. They're they're still working on what our premium increase is going to be. Uh, we anticipate one happening, and it's right now. It sounds like it's going to be a significant amount. Um, but we have not built that into the budget yet. So the cost that you see there of $675,000, that's the added cost because we added 59 teachers or I'm not, 59 employees to our health plan in open enrollment January 1st. So that's something that carries forward to the next year and we have to place that into our budget. So we will have $675,000 without any premium increase. If we have a premium increase, we'll have to build that in. The other item is transportation costs. Contractually, that increases 3%. 
Uh, <clears throat> the utility number is a, looks like a pretty big number, but remember we, part of it is 500,000 that we got this year. So we're really adding only 3% on the, the electricity rates. We still don't know what that is. K KCPNL always goes to the commission, Kansas City, KCC, and ask for you know a pretty good rate increase, and then they settle somewhere in the middle. We don't know what that is yet, but we'll have to build that in. Right now, we're building it based on three percent, um, and then the other thing we're bringing on two new buildings for next year. So that would be the Aquatic Center and Brookwood. So a lot of costs in utilities. Uh, increase in supplies and services. Uh, again, those are multiple lines. Most of that is in our ICT and our curriculum instruction and professional development lines uh, where we add those supplies and services. And those cover um, software, maintenance contracts, uh, substitute costs for teachers to go out for professional development, extra duty days for um, 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 professional development. So that's all in that line. The profession are the supplies and services have multiple lines that cover many different services. Um, and then last, um, the budget includes 28.44 FTE for a total of $1,673,000. So all these items are built into the budget now and it's close to almost $6 million. Some of the personnel changes that were added, um, as we talked about back in January, Title I, we absorbed from Title I into the operating funds the 6.4 social workers and then three instructional coach, coaches from um, the Title I schools that were going from 13 to 8. Those instructional coaches also came into uh, the operating funds. And then um, Dr. Fulton did some administrative cuts. We looked at some personnel and uh, of three or four um, supplies and services line items that we were able to cut out of the 1920 budget to offset that absorption. So yes, we brought in 711,000, but the budget also includes close to about $900,000 in reduction in the different administrative lines to offset your Title I. Um, so some of the additions that we got, we have special education staff of 13.75, and that is four teachers, um, a psych, and one OTPT personnel. So it's six um, teachers there. Then, and then there's also 8.75 paraprofessionals that are in that number as well. Um, two coordinators, that's your diversity coordinator and your perf uh, performing and fine arts coordinator is in that line. Um, we're adding two additional social workers. So if you remember, we needed nine to have a full-time social worker at each school building. Um, so we now we're down to seven. So this is adding two more. Um, we're opening up a new preschool at Brookwood. So there's a preschool teacher and an aide at Brookwood. Uh, project finish program is a counselor. That's what we approved a couple months ago at Horizons for the adult education. And then the other staffing changes, it just kind of nets, nets the rest of them, and that's kind of the administrative changes that we made to absorb all the Title I. you have any questions in those areas? Okay. Questions? Yes, Ms. Yep. Dowsley. I have a question, but it might be for Dr. Fulton. Can you um, just elaborate a little bit on the fine arts coordinator position? Because I'm not sure that that's been discussed yet and that people know what it is. Sure, that was, um, that was built into a two-year plan, you know, because a number of the administrative cuts take effect 
for next year. There's some other administrative cost savings that we realize at the end of the 1920 school year. And through uh, cost savings, we were able to meet a need that's been expressed by quite a few folks regarding having someone support the teachers in the, in the practical and fine arts areas. And so we felt like with the cuts that we'd made, rather than waiting a year, we were in a good position to go ahead and do that, put that position in place for next year so we could begin providing the supports right away. Thank you. You're welcome. Other board member questions at this point? Specifically about the personnel. Yes, Dr. And Sinclair. that almost is a restoration of support services that were in place prior to the recession, in a sense. I mean, when the recession hit and then when the state doubled down on changes in tax policy, that, that was, we're really almost kind of restoring a support service. That's right. I think we're still building back up to the way life used to be. Okay. Thank you. Other member questions? Reverend Guy. And has that job been posted yet? It has been posted, yes. Okay. Both, both uh, the coordinator positions have been posted. Okay, thank you. Yes, I have a question Mac. back on a previous slide, so I'll wait till the end. Okay, yeah, we're okay. in the middle right now. Yeah. Okay. okay, all right. Great, continue, thanks. Okay, so this pie chart just kind of summarizes our expenditures in the operating funds. Um, you can see the breakdown by the different pay groups and the different major line items that are in our budget. Um, of course, we're heavy in the labor area, so we're about 83.7% of our budget um, is for salary and benefits, $201.9 million. It's a big number. Um, so this recaps our fund balances. Um, so you can see, I'll start in the projected column of 1819. So you can see where we anticipate a $1.5 million deficit that brings down our fund balances to 12.8 million. Um, the concern that I have with the deficit spending is we have done it for three years in a row. Um, prior to that, we were at a $15.9 million operating balance plus the contingency reserve of 5.6. So now we're down, we're estimating down to 12.8. That's not a good business practice. We have to kind of stop that bleeding, so to speak, um, try to get to a balanced budget or maybe even start doing a surplus to try to build the balances um, a little more. And I say that is because as our, as our budget keeps growing, we talked about how much it costs for monthly expenditures. Well, we're now up to about $20 million a month. So, you know, we've we talked in the past where, well, you'd like to have two months of reserves. Um, well, that that's not doable here in Kansas. You'd get beat up if you had that much. Um, so one month would be about $20 million. So 5.6 of it is in contingency reserve. So you need about another 14.5 or so in that operating funds. Um, and that's hard to get to. You can do that over time. So we gradually can build some build some fund balances to get back to that point. Um, but I just wanted to kind of point that out that we are at 12.8 million. Um, so take you over to the far right column where it says anticipated 1920. Um, that's where you see um, right now without any salary increases or health increases built into the budget, we have about close to $5,448,000 surplus to work with, okay. Yes, I'm sorry, Mrs. Mack. 
Um, and I just wanted to add to that conversation. When you say that it's $20 million per month and the best practice is to have at least two months that we have, um, it also comes to mind that we have contractual obligations on top of, I mean, we have $20 million of expenses, but we have contractual obligations that are on an annual basis, a biannual basis, et cetera, that we are contractually obligated to do. And if, mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correct, uh, correctly, uh, we are not allowed to go into the red past our surplus and our, our reserves. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Dr. Sinclair. Uh, that might have just answered my question. I was just going to ask, um, uh, for a clarification, what's the you know what is the difference between that ending fund balance okay. and the significant difference between that and the contingency reserves? But I think that was just elaborated on. I don't know if you want to add to that. The you know. contingency reserve, it, we just um, mm -hmm. that just sits there, mm -hmm. and for emergency needs. Mm -hmm. um, once upon a time, you can even get that out of uh, you can get that out of the, uh, the contingency reserve unless you really had some extraordinary needs. State law has changed and loosened those purse strings, so you can move a little bit in and out of your contingency reserve. But again, that is for cash flow purposes. You can invest that and get interest on it. Um, but that is that's for that emergency time when we, we we talk about October, November, and December being our cash flow comes to a low point. If we ever have a delay in state aid funding. If they don't pay that on time, this is what you rely on to make payroll and to keep your cash flow going. And our contact and our contact contract I cannot speak. Our contractual obligations well exceed one month of Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. One other quick question. Um, do the bond rating agencies also have a stipulation of a certain percentage they'd like to see maintained? They do. When we do go out for a bond, um, when we have the interview with the bond rating, they focus on our fund balances. They'll look at our capital outlay fund balance and our operating fund balance to see if we have enough to uh, get us through any any downturns or uh, any anything that happens legislatively. Do they tell us percentages? They don't. Okay. They don't. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Owsley, then Mrs. Mack. Well, if they don't give us percentages, then how do they make the determination as to whether or not we have enough? You know, it's that's part of the equation. The, the bigger part is the economy of the Johnson County that you're in. Okay. So that's always the biggest selling point. And then um, they look at any legislative activity that might jeopardize our ability to do our bond and interest levy mm -hmm. because they know we can we have the the separate bond and interest levy that we use to pay back our debt so those are the two main things but so and that's that's a question i always had to and then they'll go to capital alley but why operating funds i don't know but they do they hone in on operating funds but that's that's probably the last source but it's one of, it's just one of the factors there are other it's one of the factors weighted higher okay. yeah thank you yep yeah. mrs mack yeah and um just to go back to the ending fund balance and what Dr. Sinclair said earlier. <laughs> How long have you been with the district? Going on 20 years. Um, tell me what the ending fund balance was, if you can recall, before the recession, before we, hit, we took all the hits. Uh, we were up at $25 million in, right before 2008, 2009, when they started taking, when they started lowering the base. Thank you. And, and just to reiterate, best practice is two months, mm -hmm. and we don't have anywhere close to that. That's correct. Thank you. 
other questions at this point? Um, th this slide we put together um, just from discussions during the budget development process. Questions came up, questions came up at the board meeting or requests that from public comments, et cetera. Um, so that first section, some of these things are already repeat that I, I mentioned previously that are already built into the budget as indicated as already included um, professional growth, social workers for two, two FTE, um, moving the Title I monies or Title I positions over to the operating funds. Uh, we're bringing the aquatic center on, so you got to have cust uh, custodians, um, utilities, and, and busing for the swim team to get out to the to the aquatic center. And then we're bringing on four FTE and 8.75 uh, paras and the two coordinators. So I mentioned those already. Those are already built in the budget. Um, then the next line, or next section, items for future budget consideration. These things have come up um, more than once. Uh, moving high schools from six periods to five periods. Um, HR did a, a scenario where it would add about 41.3 teachers for a cost of about $3,035,000. Uh, middle school, 29 teachers for $2.1 And then it was brought up if you were to lower the cap um, by two students on your elementary staffing guidelines, what would that look like? Um, that would uh, add about 31 teachers for close to 2278000 And then, as I mentioned earlier, social workers, well, we would need seven more to have a full-time social worker at every school building for about 529. So that's the little um, kind of the budget considerations of about close to $8 million if you were to implement all those. The, the last section is, they're just um, potential salary cost factors. So um, for all our pay groups, and that's classified, your psychs, all the, the certified, um, to move down a step. So everybody's on a, a schedule, and they have, the teacher schedule is 3 through 24. So if you move from 20 to 21, there's a cost involved with that. So all those pay groups in, um, would be $2,328,000 to move all employees down one step. If you're at a step that you're, if you're at the top or you're at a, a step that's frozen, um, there would be no cost for that because you're, there's no movement for that. And then to give a 1% base increase, and this would be increasing every cell by 1%. So if you're on the custodial schedule, moving that hourly rate up 1%, teachers, et cetera, et cetera, that would be $1.7 million. So if you were to do a 2% increase, uh, you're at $3.4 million. So that's just the factor that you could work with on how much that, that cost adds to the budget. Certainly, I'll pause there if you had any questions on this, this slide. Questions, Mrs. Zila? Um, yeah, you mentioned earlier that for benefits we weren't we didn't know what that increase might be. You thought it might be significant to mm -hmm. next year. Is there any other kind of unknowns that are not listed or talked about yet? That I know utilities, you don't know where that's going to go. So we have a lot of variables with our yeah. budget to try Health to Health insurance would be, would be the big one. Um, we, the utilities, we kind of always hedge our bet that it's going to be 3%, and then we built in for the new facilities. Um, so... If we go back to a normal winter, 
we might be fine. You know, uh, this this winter, um, you know, it added a lot of cost for utilities and the overtime and et cetera. But health is the big one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you have any kind of an estimate on that? Like for every percent it goes up, it's this much money for the. I have. I, I don't know what the total amount is for the health care. That's what. I'm oh, for for, for health insurance. Yeah, for health insurance. You know, I do, and I can share that with you in the executive session because I don't have that okay, at my no fingertips worries. right now. Other questions, Dr. Sinclair. Um, well, comments, and then maybe a question for um, Dr. Fulton. Um, the this thank you for preparing this. this is a very informative presentation so first of all thank you on this wish um, kind of this item requested for consideration um, there I would assume this is maybe not necessarily comprehensive so those folks out there for example I'm thinking we had talked about looking at changing the counseling ratio in the high schools was one maybe that we had talked about so I'm assuming your intention was not to list everything that we had talked about on here but just to give some examples of some of the more frequently discussed kinds of things and that we wouldn't necessarily interpret this as the comprehensive list of things we would consider that's that's absolutely correct okay it's just going back to some of the things that have been out there in the public discussion some of these we've discussed previously in the boardroom so it's a sampling really of okay of what things have cost really okay um and the and so if we want to consider some of these future budget considerations it would either be kind of going back to the slide that looks at the 2019-20 estimated operating expenditures that I don't know if you go back like three maybe so our two choices really oh I think you were there this one the one that has psychologists administrative teachers it would be either finding money in this pie to reallocate towards those wish list items I'm just trying to think about if we wanted to address some of those future budget items it's either pulling it out of this pie chart here where we have dollars expended for teachers and benefits and things or looking to see if there are additional revenue um, in future years through the school finance formula those are really our two options for addressing right either I reallocate existing dollars There's or look to the future if we're going to get new dollars right. right it's what's available now and what might be available down the road and those are those are all considerations as we look at our list of desires going forward okay I actually have a great idea and it goes back to the question I was going to ask how about we get the state to fully reimburse us for our special education costs how much money you said we're about 80 percent now with the new uh, monies coming in for special ed our excess cost my last calculation was based on fiscal year 18 is at 65 percent 65 percent yeah the and state is at 81 percent for when the state does their do when they calculate their excess costs they're at 81 and their goal is supposed to be 92. so it's about yeah. 18 million or so out of our general fund budget yes and i still don't understand why that does not happen in topeka because there are districts correct me if i'm wrong that get over a hundred percent that's correct are you uh, yes dr sinclair um, and this might be more for Dr. Fulton. Of the items that are already included, like the professional growth and the social workers, can you maybe speak to how you see those aligned with the um, emerging strategic plan? Because there was a rationale maybe for why those were kind of targeted for next year as a recommendation. And well, some of these are just are, are just assumptions that you typically would build into any 
into the budget in any budget year. Professional growth is call movement is a good example of that. Um, some of the others, I think part of what we have to see is what what comes out of the strategic plan and where do these issues sit in terms of uh, priorities, what does research say, but importantly it's going to all have to be, it's all going to have to be addressed through the existing budget somehow. Mm -hmm. And so those are, the, those are the things that we're going to have to think about going forward as a community. Okay. And I, I hate to get into too much specifics because it depends a little bit on what we want to try to achieve. Okay, thank you. And then I'm, I'm going to finish up on our federal funds. These are grants that are directly uh, from the federal grants um, that pass through the state of Kansas on to the school districts in Kansas. Um, we have received our preliminary allocations. They don't get firmed up until maybe June or July. Um, but everything stayed pretty pretty flat for us. So we kind of got lucky. Title I was only $38,000 down. We anticipated it back in January being a little bit more than that. Um, but the preliminary number is just $38,000 down. Um, so I wanted to focus in on your our Title I. Um, so we, we presented to you in January that um, we were, we were going to be short. Um, expenditures were going to exceed revenues. And we were by, probably by about $300,000, and we would have to move that over to the operating funds. So right now, we're anticipating about $150,000 moving that over. That will leave carryover balances of zero. So our, our balances for Title I will be zero. Um, we can carry over 15% by federal guidelines. Um, so for 1920, we're going to start the year with zero fund balance in that account. Um, we're going to get 3177000 in allocation. Uh, as you remember, we took our elementary schools from 13 to 8, and then we still have two middle schools that we add a, a few FTE at those locations. Um, supplies and services and indirect costs. So our total expense is close to $3 million. So our goal here is start building some fund balances back up. Um, so we're anticipating right now trying to build $200,000. That'll give us the flexibility to handle fluctuations in our federal funding. So if it goes up or down, lately it's all been down. Hopefully that trend will um, start going the other direction because we're kind of working off the block grant, if you remember. So we had two years of block grant that really hurt the state of Kansas' mm -hmm. allocation from the feds. So it's just not, it's not Shawnee Mission in particular, it's the, it's the state's allocation from the feds. Um, so anyway, the 200000 could help us with that flexibility, but also if we do any raises, um, we still got to go through negotiations and we would pull it from the $200,000 and apply that out. So that's where we anticipate Title I um, going for 1920. And then I wanted to recap again our mill levy history. So we've done two workshops. Mr. Knapp, can yes. I have to, we yep. one quick question Sorry. about that last slide? Yeah. Um, on the Title I, with regards to the block grant, has anybody done the runs with the new formula to see what the impact that will be with what we'll be, what we'll be receiving then? Because we were actually hit hardest by that, weren't we? We were one of the districts hit hardest by it. So have, have we done the runs on that to see what it'll look like? I, I don't do those runs. Probably the, the, the State Department State would do it, and I haven't and seen any. To, to I don't know, Dr. Hubbard, have you? Okay. 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 All right, thank you. 
Uh, our mill levy history, again, we're projecting a small decrease of 0.71% in our mill levy. Um, that equates to, get that in my notes, about a $9 in annual reduction for a $200,000 house, which is, we'll take it. Um, Shawnee Mission is still the, the lowest of the six school districts. The, the other five range from 63 Point seven to as high as 70.6. And again, we're looking at a 52.057 mill levy, and this is a total estimate that will change and won't get locked in until uh, actually until October. But it's generally pretty close to that. And again, our budget timeline, this is our last workshop tonight. We'll, if the board meeting is July 22nd, we'll bring the publication to you for approval. We put it in the newspaper. It runs for 10 days. We come back to you and have a hearing. And then you adopt the budget tentatively August 12th board meeting. And then we submit it to our county on August 25th. And again, all our material is posted on our website, budget and finance website. And... Before I get off the podium, I want to thank Allison Starosky. She's sitting right there. You got to wave. Perfect. She does a lot of this work. So I'll stand for any more questions. Board member questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was thank very you. helpful information. Appreciate it. And with that, we move on to item 4.01, which is the consent agenda. Before we consider the acceptance of the consent agenda, is there any uh, item that a board member would like removed for individual consideration? Being none? I'd move approval of the consent agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda as presented this evening, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. And that moves us to 5.01. And we have action items, two action items before us tonight. The first one is 5.01. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton to see about uh, an update on this item. Yeah, I'm going to have Dr. Southwood give a brief update. And this has to do with the Oak Park, uh, actually a number of elementary schools, um, using the purchasing cooperative to get playground equipment. So go ahead. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. I would mention we have Mr. Robinson back in the uh, audience. He's around the corner. I can't see him, but he's back from knee surgery, and I'm glad that he's here. Um, these uh, approval of the playgrounds that you see will be done this summer, and they do meet our standard uh, of the playgrounds that we put in all of our new buildings, including handicap-accessible playgrounds. So, And this uh, will be work that we've started and that will continue across the district. Questions, Mrs. Mack? Oh, I was going to move approval of action item 5.01. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. second. Oh, go ahead. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Um, I'm going to entertain any additional questions uh, on the action item here. Being none, all those in favor of the item, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. And item 5.02. Yes, and this one uh, has to do with our urban farm uh, and uh, the phase one project construction for that 
which is about 1.3 million out of capital funds. Dr. Southwick, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I will speak to As you remember, a couple of months back, you uh, did approve to have the architects work with our staff for design. This was part of our original plan for this building to be able to expand the farm and to support the um, programs that we have here in the building, our bistro. Um, this plan that was developed was developed with a lot of different people, our students and our staff. Joan Levins was very much involved uh, along with Mr. Robinson's office and our architects. So this 1.3 million is a jump start. We will need additional dollars in the future and we actually, um, you know, one of the major things that we had to do is we've got a tractor that we purchased and we've got equipment that we purchased that sits outside right now. And to get started, we had to do some infrastructure things. So the plan is to get this work done this summer, but then there will be additional work that we're going to do some fundraising for and hope to be coming back to the board with approval to spend some money that's been donated to us. Mr. Robinson, if I've missed anything, I know I can't see you, but if you'd like to share anything, you'd be more than welcome. It's like the dating game. You can't see. <laughs> <laughs> number three. I'll take number three. Well, that's absolutely correct. It's phase one, so it'll be a, a garage and a greenhouse. And then we, we hope to be able to raise some funds to uh, continue to improve. All right. Thank you. Questions from board members? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, I just appreciate the, the opportunity to really um, support the sustainability initiative of the district and to um, really lean into that farm to table kind of opportunity and engaging the community and students and all in this um, endeavor. It's really exciting. Thank you. I would move approval at 502. Thank you, Mrs. Ela. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional questions on the item? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That item passes 7-0. And this moves us on to uh, board comments, item 6.01. I turn to board members for any comments this evening. Mrs. Mack sheepishly answers, raises her hand. <laughs> um, I have two comments to make. One is to rest nap. Um, I don't think we in Shawnee Mission School District um, fully appreciate everything that he does and how lucky we are to have him in this district for over 20 years. He knows this inside and out. He is an expert on all of this, and it is a tough job. And Allison, I know you help him a lot, but um, he does an exceptional job. And um, I just wanted to um, thank him um, for 20 years. And he could go out into the private world and make an incredible amount of money. And he does this, I know, huge, huge. I should be quiet. I shouldn't tell anybody. But he does this for our community. He lives here, his family, he raised his family here. And I just, I think he's exceptional. And I just wanted to say that tonight. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about was several of us were at the Project Home Celebration. It just ended its, um, its third year. And um, Dr. Atha and Dr. Dennis and um, Dr. McKinney now have been involved with this for many years. I remember first it was MV Prime and then it was Impact Wednesday. And now it has morphed into Project Home. And I just want to read you a couple of numbers that were um, that were given out 
that morning. First of all, the mission of Project Home is to assist students and families from the Shawnee Mission School District who are homeless or at risk of being becoming homeless. Twice a month they meet at New City Church in Shawnee and when they walk in they have all kinds of partners and we actually have some of our board members who um, are in charge of some of these service providers. Everything from Catholic Charities to Kids TLC to um, Jewish Family Services, etc. And these families go in and get help in any way that they need. And our foundation is involved as well. So I just wanted to tell you, in three years, the first year, 63 people were housed and prevented from becoming homeless in 2016 and 2017. In the last year, this program here in Shawnee Mission helped 197 people from being prevented them from becoming homeless. 197 people. Now, that still leaves too many people out there in our community who are homeless. But I am proud to say that the Shawnee Mission School District supports this program and has brought in all these community partners to work with our McKinney-Vento families. And I am really proud of the program that David Armovich has started. He is total compassionate servant. His heart is just full for all of these families and everything, every single child. And his hope that he told us that morning was that it puts him out of business because he doesn't want one more child to be homeless in our district or anywhere in the state. So I would just like to show our appreciation here in the boardroom. 197 people were prevented from becoming homeless. So good job, Project Home. Thank you. Other board members. Reverend Guy. Several of us um, had the opportunity to attend the very first graduation cer ceremony for Arrowhead today, and um, it was a lot of fun to see the students there wearing the cap and gown of the high schools that they are connected to. Uh, four different high schools were represented. The uh, students had a teacher speak to each one of them and their unique talents and abilities and then the students were given an opportunity to share as well um, and it was a great celebration and um, so I'm just proud of all of our graduates it's the very first ceremony of the week uh, and it was a it was an exciting way to start off the graduation week and we're proud of our Arrowhead graduates one down six to go yeah. that's right <laughs> thank you other board members Mrs. Owsley um, so I wanted wanted to congratulate uh, Grace Altenhoffen, who's here tonight, because she won the first ever KSPA Courage in Journalism Award. So thank you for your work, and congratulations on that. And then I wanted to thank the folks who organized the 5K on Saturday morning. I think that is the first 5K I've run in about a year. <laughs> but it had a really good turnout. There was about 500, maybe 600 people there. And it was really great to see everybody wearing their spirit wear from their homeschool. And um, so I just appreciate the folks who did the work on that. That was great. So thank you. Any other items? A reminder that our next board meeting is going to be May 29th, which is a Wednesday because it's the week of Memorial Day, so our meeting will be on Wednesday, May 29th. And with that, I'll turn to Mrs. Owsley for a motion for executive session. I move we go into executive session to discuss personnel issues pursuant to the non-elected personnel exception under COMA and that the board will reconvene in the boardroom um, 
in 10 minutes, but with a five minute um, intermission between now and then. So we'll reconvene at 740. Great. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack, on the second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We have one more executive session after that, but there will be no other business conducted after those. Thank you for being here.